Well, here we are, boys and girls, ready for the second podcast that we have to bring you, the Filthy Lip Out podcast with me, Johnny Morgan, and Kit Alexander, my partner in crime. And I tell you what, we're in for a treat. We've had some great golf, haven't we, Kit? You know, the European tour and the US tour and Asia tour has lived up to every expectation we wanted. And, well, let's talk about the European tour and our main man, Mark Warren. I know, it's almost felt like normal again this week, in inverted commas. I've had multiple tournaments to look at on my phone, stay updated yeah. with, um, had the apps going all the time. I mean, this is like the beginning of the end for my social life, what there was of it, or for, you know, my girlfriend getting all my attention. That's all gone now. The golf's coming back all of the tours to keep an eye on. And uh, yeah, it was really good. I mean, the European Tours return, European Tour slash Challenge Tour, Mark Warren won. Um, a guy who really needed it, to be honest. And actually, I think um, kind of a, a worthy winner of an event coming back like that. It's a name that people will know and a kind of established previous European Tour player. But he didn't have his full status on the European Tour. There are obviously a few guys like Eust Luton who came in and played and did pretty well. Thomas Dietrich, who were fully-fledged European Tour pros, but good to see a guy win it who, you know what, he needed the win, his fourth sure. European Tour win. Um, have you spent much time with Mark over the years, John? Well, I've strolled the fairways, uh, obviously, on the European Tour with Sky Sports and the European Tour, so, you know, I've been able to walk side-by-side side with him, and, you know, he's very hard on himself, Mark, um, but, you know, he's some player, and there was massive high expectations for that uh, for that man, and He's around my age group, was he now? About 39, I think. You know, he's a couple of years younger, but one of the best swingers in the game. Um, you know, and he, he did look like he was just, uh, had to take it on the chin a little bit. His form wasn't there. It was dropping. It was in and out. One minute it was on, next minute it was off. But uh, it was interesting. I mean, it's interesting scenario which went on over in Austria. I think his caddy uh, didn't get through the immigration because of the COVID-19 or some complications. Don't know if he had it or whatever like that. I so I don't want to assume I think anything. It was a bag but... on the testing. He'd done the test, but he hadn't got the results back, so he couldn't travel. There we go, then. There we go. And so he's had to carry his own bag, Mark. And, well, got in his own little bubble, and he'd done the deal. And I'm chuffed to bits for him. I really am, because he's an exceptional golfer, and he's a lovely lad. Um, seen him out there many a time. Sat down, had a little sherbet after a round, you know, in the, in the clubhouse or the, you know, the hotel back after the round's done. And, just a nice chilled out chap. So, uh, yeah, I'm over the moon for him. And it's, uh, I think we could be in for a nice little treat with uh, Mark Warren now. He might get a few more under his belt. You never know. I mean, it's a swing that's always been revered and talked up. And he has had these spells. He's been really streaky. He's looked hot for six months or a year. And then it's just the form seems to have gone. But I guess for some players, that's just the way it goes. And that's how you put your career together. You just make the most of the good form and the good weeks when they're there. And he obviously did that. I mean, one of the guys I thought was really interesting that he was up there was Will Besseling. Now, it's a name that probably not many people know, but the reason I found this really interesting was that obviously the European tour uh, sponsored by BMW with Trackman did this little sort of indoor invitational series where all the guys were playing on their simulators at home and playing against each other. I think it was a five event series. Will Bessling actually won two of them and topped the order of merit for that. So he was obviously in good form swinging in a simulator. But then to go and convert that to, you know, a tied, I think he finished third alone actually in the first start back, I found really, really interesting because this is the guessing game at the moment. How much practice have people been able to do? What kind of practice? How are they coming out of the gate on the European tour? It's a little bit different, I think, to on America and the PGA Tour, where the restrictions weren't quite as strict and the weather is a bit better and people were yeah. able to pretty much practice and play not too much different than they would normally, just minus the competition. It feels like a lot of the pros in Europe have actually been away from the game more and their, their practice has been legitimately curtailed more because of the pandemic. So to see Besseling, who was playing really well on a simulator, come out and play really well on a golf course, I thought was really interesting. Well, Will, I've played a lot of golf world Challenge Tour, European Tour events. I've known him for quite a long time. And funny enough, we've been drawn against one another playing a lot. And we've, won, we've known one another a long time now. And I followed them, followed them uh, final round at Leopard Creek uh, with Pablo and Will. And was so impressed with the way he was coping with everything. Took everything in his stride. Real cool as a cucumber. I'm not surprised that he's actually come come to the forefront now and everyone's able to see his ability because he is a great golfer. Um, he's quiet. He does his own thing. He gets pumped up, got a good carry on the bag. 
um, loves his golf, totally addicted to it, works out, you know, does, does all the right things, nutrition, you name it, he does it. A uh, very approachable guy as well. So, yeah, I'm over the moon for him and I'm not surprised to see him actually up there now and competing at the very top. I mean, you know, there you go. The last two tournaments he's probably played, you know, um, Leopard Creek and here in Austria, you know, he's there or thereabouts for the win. So, expecting when we come back, you know, for our swing over here in the UK that he's going to be there or thereabouts if he plays them. Yeah, have you seen any pictures from the course this week, Adamstal in uh, in Austria? It looks, I mean, the Austrian tourist board are on an absolute winner at the minute. They got the the Grand Prix over there with the F1, uh, and now a couple of really nice uh, golf events as well. And it's like just alpine, beautiful, mountainous. Yeah, it looks stunning. It's stunning out there, mate. I just seen a, a nice little tweet from Alfie Plant's dad actually um, praising his granddad and stuff like that. His dad, I should say, and just seeing Alfie chip around the green and just the views around it and just how peaceful and quiet and tranquil and gorgeous and just looks like the course is in amazing condition. And that makes you want to play great golf. You know, you're in that kind of... But it's, uh, yeah, you're up there with the heavens, which is always nice, you know, and hopefully they're on your side kit. Absolutely. And then it's the UK swing, of course. Now, John, obviously you're going to be part of the, the Sky Sports golf commentary effort there. And you had you meeting with the, sort of everyone yesterday, sorting out what the protocols are going to be. Sounds like you're going to have a lot of things shoved up your nose over the next few weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's got to be done. Uh, safety first. Um, protocol is massive. Uh, we've got to set an example. It's going to be great. Um, I can't wait. I mean, I'm doing the English Championship at Hanbury Manor and I'm doing the Wells Open. So I'll be doing it a few of those, bit a few Ian Polters. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I'm, I can't wait. It was lovely to see everyone yesterday, including Tony Johnson. I mean, there's so many to mention, you know, um, you know, and obviously, you know, we kind of named this, uh, this podcast after him because he loves saying filthy, filthy lip out. And I got to say, that's our new logo boys and girls. So, um, but yeah, he, he loved it and hopefully we'll have him on one day as well as many others. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting, mate. I think the boys are in for a treat as well. They're going to be, um, they're going to be raring to go. The courses are going to be in magnificent condition, which like every one of them are. You know, the weather's been on our side. We've had a nice drop of rain now. It helps the greenkeepers out massively. And um, I think it's just going to be fantastic. It really is. We've seen great golf. I mean, we've seen it from the Memorial. I mean, you know, not Memorial, which is coming this week, but, you know, um, you know, last week's tournament and, well, Colin Morikawa, my goodness. Well, Justin Thomas's putt, I've got to say. Yeah. I, when that went in, I mean, the curvature on that ball and the little tear went down it and it started high. curving. I went, oh my God, has he got it? Boom! Straight in the centre, cut. Wham! And then, my goodness, Colin goes and follows him in with nerves of steel. Absolutely. And that putt is horrible. You know, I was listening to Faldo's commentary and he's like, that's got to bleed, um, you know, right to left. And then it went left to right. And then he I was, was having a little I wiggle. I was all taken, confused in his commentary. Oh, it was. It was a horrible putt. And to get that line right, because Dustin Johnson had that putt twice for the win, you know, so... You know, he had he was shorter distance, like half that half that distance, but he had Just that putt and he missed them both times to the right. Yeah, so it wasn't an easy putt at all. And for Colin to slot that one in and carry carry the game on was absolutely fantastic. It really was. Yeah, I've got to say, after the first two tee shots, obviously Thomas up the right on in the rough, ball way above his feet, Morikawa in the bunker. Mm. I sort of said, you know, no, make a four here and you're winning it. There's, there aren't going to be two fours made from these positions. And in a way, I was right, just in a very wrong way, because there weren't two fours. The two threes from where they'd hit their tee shots were remarkable. But I mean, for yeah. Morikawa, what a way to bounce back from the disappointment of losing the playoff a few weeks ago, then his first missed cut as a pro, and then he bounces yeah. back in the best possible style that you can by picking up another win and in a good field against Justin Thomas in a playoff as well. We had to chase him down. And now you're looking at the numbers and the stats and you know I love a good stat, John. There are legitimate comparisons statistically now to sort of players like Tiger Woods and how they started their career. I mean, I've seen a couple of brilliant ones just since his win. Um, yeah. first, first player since Tiger Woods to get his second win before missing his second cut as a pro. Incredibly, Tiger went on to win 43 times before missing his second cut as a pro. So 
Morikawa's got a little bit of a way to catch up with that. But, I mean, still, anytime you're in that conversation and you get compared to Tiger Woods, that's never a bad way to start your career. The other one that I really liked um, was in the world rankings. This was his 25th start that he won, got his second win in. Now, in his first 25 starts in the history of the golf world rankings, only three guys have accrued more world ranking points in those first 25. That's Tiger Woods, John Rahm, and Sergio Garcia. Unbelievable. Pretty impressive company. The little caveat to that is that fifth in that list is a certain Jordan Spieth. And I can remember all kinds of comparisons to Tiger when he was obviously exploding onto the scene. I remember drawing diagrams and charts for Golf World magazine when I was working there that showed his progress against Tigers. And it was pretty comparable and step for step that early in the career. We all know what's happened to Jordan Spieth. He slipped out of the top 60 in the world rankings after his miscut this week, just gone. So a good start isn't a guarantee, but for Morikawa to even be in that conversation, especially when, you know, it was Hovland and Wolf really of that yeah, class yeah. who turned pro middle of last year, who were the ones initially getting all oi, oi. the headlines. And now it's a really good space, uh, place to stop because uh, someone's just popped up on screen, John. Oh, Hello. with a, a more well, I'm jealous. That hairdo is amazing. Chris Wood in the house. Here you go, mate. How you doing? Look at that. That's a beauty. Is that a lockdown uh, do? Have you had the cut yet? Yeah, I think this has been uh, this has had a homemade effort on it about a month ago as well. You let the kids that out with the clippers. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm going tomorrow. Hopefully, I'm oh, going yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. I can pop round mine. I could give you a chop. Honestly, could do it. I don't want a haircut like yours, to be honest. <laughs> no, it won't be like mine. I think a mohawk, <laughs> mate, would suit you massively. And I got all this. You reckon? This, uh, I got this enough dye in the middle. Well, so we can colour it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is that what you did to your goatee? Yeah, mate. I'll try one now. What colour would you like? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go yellow. Top left, yellow. Oh man, really yellow? Yeah. Oh. Right, there we go then. Oh, exactly. <laughs> For those people sure. just listening and who don't have the pleasure of the visuals, there he is, now, John is literally colouring in his beard with a yellow <laughs> bit of chalk. We'll get pictures up on the Twitter, so you've got to follow Filthy Lip Out Twitter. Look Hopefully, at that. You see it as well, because it is, I mean, it looks dirty, frankly. It's an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> smells as well. It's, um, the ladies must love that little goatee, a little bit tickly. <laughs> yeah, a little bit tickly, Chris. A little bit tickly. Yeah, yeah. It's, I uh, the reason he's yeah. grown. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That. There you go. What do you reckon? <laughs> That's a very good effort. It's all right, isn't it? Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Yeah, yeah. Keep it on for the day. So, Chris. Oh, yeah, that'll be on for the day, Chris. Now, Chris, yeah. thanks for joining us, bud, on the filthy lip out. I mean, you've uh, only just heard that we put this all together. Me and Kate, I have. Yeah, um, Matt Lynch. We've, um, you know, we've all had a good old. Uh, discussion on what name to do and it, it love I lost the, name. the boat. I was going to say, love the name. <laughs> well, there you go. I lost the boat. So, yeah, I'm glad that you like the name. Well, I, I, I dread to yeah. think the, some of the names you were sort of trying to pitch. Kit, or come on, come to my aid. I was pretty good. There, there were some that we might have run into like legal ramifications. <laughs> yeah. It had to have been a very like post-watershed podcast yeah. with some of the names we put out there. You can have a that lot of fun with innuendo, but filthy lip out. It's that it sounds like it should be dirty, but it's not. That's what I like about it. Well, we the truth is we've all had a filthy lip out over the years of playing golf, haven't we? So I've got well, let's, talk about, let's, have a, let's talk about the worst lip out you've ever had. Come on, oh. let's talk about the worst lip out under pressure. Under pressure, you know you needed it and it didn't drop for you. What was it? Sure, Where was it? You put me on the spot there. You, you rang well, me mate, 20 minutes it. ago. You could have given me, <laughs> could have given me a heads up. Well, one one that you, you thought was one that you thought was in, or you walked after and it just come back oh, hit you, or that's always that's always the danger, isn't it? You've hit a lovely mm. putt and it's five yeah. foot out, and you start the walk, oh. and then whoosh, out it comes. It always gets you, doesn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to that one. Yeah, we'll give come me, back give me a few one, days. Please. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 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 I'll hold you to that. We'll come back on. We'll have you on again. <laughs> but mate, how's how's, uh, how's uh, lockdown been, man? Because it's been awkward for everyone. How's it been, and how you been keeping yourself well, sane and 
keep yourself warmed <laughs> up and grooved up and playing and stuff like that? I, I don't know if I've, or me or my wife, have kept ourselves sane. Um, we've got a three and a one-year-old. Yeah. Um, so it's been quite tiring. Um, but like obviously, the, the amount of travel that we do, I don't get this. I've basically, I've seen my one-year-old go from a baby to a toddler um, from, you know, crawling and, well, not even crawling, uh, to basically now running, saying words. Um, It's been, that side of it, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, You can cement a relationship like that because it's so difficult coming in and out, in and out, traveling, playing tournaments. That at that age, how the, how on earth can they understand what's going on? Yeah. And to be honest, that's a bit of an argument for me in terms of the schedule coming up this year. You know, I've been at home for four months with them where I've put them to bed every single night. We've got them out of bed every single morning. And then all of a sudden you go, right, I'm away for six weeks. How on earth can you explain that to a three-year-old? and so that's going to have an influence on the amount of tournaments I play certainly in the first sort of couple of months um, mm. until they can just get a little bit used but I've, I've been away, away all day practicing or I've gone up to Liverpool to see my coach and like you walk in or you, you come back late that night and get them up in the morning you haven't put them to bed that night and you get them up in the morning and get told well I missed you yesterday and it's like well you're only yeah I was only away for the day you know let alone yeah. six weeks so that's going to have a huge influence on the amount of events I play to start off with um been practicing loads to be honest it's been an amazing opportunity for me because I've been needing to do a lot of work on my game I've been struggling um and it's been an opportunity which we don't get the last time I reckon we had an opportunity of like a period of a few months to do work technically if that was needed was probably when I was an amateur where as you know oh that's a big mug <laughs> I wonder what mug that is or oh, oh, some some dude played in the Ryder Cup there oh, is that from there is it <laughs> oh, you know what I've got this t-shirt on and it is actually <laughs> And the, the thing is, this was by complete accident. It's literally my last clean T-shirt. I didn't even plan it. And it is a Europe oh like 16 days. Don't you have a washing machine? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, it's a pile about that eye in his room. I don't yeah. see it. Yeah, exactly. They're all damp. I tried all sorts on this morning. They're all damp. This was the only <laughs> one I could wear. And then I realised well, minutes before doing this, it was the right one just by happenstance. Yeah. Love it. So come on then, Love Chris. It. Tell us tell us what you've been working on, buddy. What's what's new? Uh well I I reckon a lot of 18 handicappers can relate to this. I've been hitting oh, I've been hitting um I've been hitting it high right with my driver. Um well basically like three years ago, well, before the Ryder Cup really, I started to um get a really, really weak ball flight. Yeah. Like and from a technical point of view, boring technical, like I had a really open club face at the top of the backswing. So from there, you've got to almost flip it square. So mm. you're losing so much power, speed, compression, all that stuff. So I've basically I've had four years of trying to square the club face. <laughs> oh, nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I'm getting it square at the top now. But... I'm still chucking in these compensations that I had from when I had the open club face to try and square it. So um, it's it's been bloody hard to be honest. Um, but your but, but your work I, ethic is unbelievable, though, Chris. So you're going to solve this puzzle if you like it or not, because everyone knows. And you're a local boy to me. You, the talk around town and you know, especially on tour as well, is what, what work ethic you have, it's second to none. Well, my days have been really structured through lockdown. Like, for example, yesterday, I do, as you know, like my injuries, I've struggled with injuries. So like, yesterday I do, every morning I do 45 minutes. Um, we've sort of created like a mini gym on um, our bit of our patio and outside. So I can do a really nice warm up here because obviously gyms are closed. 
and then I started at half nine yesterday and didn't come home till half five and I didn't leave the t- take my lunch I download a couple of things on my iPad to watch for half an hour when I have lunch just give myself a little break actually classic I downloaded a few men behaving badly. Do you remember that? Oh, mate, they were so good. Yeah, so and good. <laughs> I, I was actually found myself. I sat on, sat on the tee box like where I was hitting balls, um, just laughing out loud. As it was just, <laughs> I haven't seen them for like ten, fifteen years. So yeah, I'm working my ass off really. So I will sort it, but the journey is painful. Um, not gonna yeah. lie. Um, so I've been busy, yeah, to answer your question. It's a long way round of answering. That's all right, mate. That's to, all right. But so am I gonna am I gonna be seeing you on the road in these uh, six events that are coming up? Are you gonna yeah, try and do them all or are you gonna space out or miss one or two? I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna do them all. I'm I'm sort of it's a tough one really because I wanna play when I feel like I've got a chance of competing really because exactly. um I've had some real struggles when I've been on the golf course, um, obviously making changes isn't very easy. And these are quite big changes really. And it's been quite a long road, but like, you know, four years ago I was playing in the Ryder cup and, you know, finishing solid every year in the order of merit. And so you could argue, well, why go through a period like this, but it wasn't good enough. And you can't sustain a career achieving what you want, hitting it, 280 290 quite weak and i felt that was changes were needed to be made in order to progress and if it if it's a case of a year or two of really struggling for the next 10 years achieving what i want to then as hard as it is at the time it'd be worth it but yeah you come home some days from practice and like bethany my wife asked me how did it go and well, you feel like going straight to the fridge and opening a bottle of cider every night sort of thing. <laughs> Bit of proper drop, mate. Can't, can't hurt you. What, what is it that keeps you going in those really low moments? Like, how do you just find the will to get up early, go to the gym, spend all day on the range the next day? The only way I can explain it is it's like deep-rooted inside of you that it's not in me to give up and... It's so, t- honestly, it's been so tough. Um, and yet you have days where you come home and, and like if we go on a walk with the kids and we have a sort of our quality time together and we have chats and you discuss what if this doesn't turn around and um, it can be really tough. And the bottom at the bottom of it all is just, I want that success and I know what I want to achieve. and it's sort of in my nature really to just fight on really, I suppose. Um, and to think, say you say you packed in tomorrow, I wouldn't be happy for no. the rest of that, not having achieved what I want to. And so that's that sort of inner fight and determination, I suppose that's all I can put it down to. Well, I was going to, I was going to chat to you about, obviously we're going to the Belfry. Which is a Ryder yeah. Cup, past Ryder Cup, legendary venue for the Ryder Cup. You know, uh, Tony Jacklin and everyone, you know, having so much success. I mean, mate, you obviously got to enter that, baby, because I bet you haven't even played it in tournament, mate. I played it when it was the last time it was the Benson Edge got to meet Faldo, got to meet Sevi Ballesteros, like, you know, all my idols in, all in one place. And I loved it. I mean, you've probably played it just with your mates, but have you ever played it in tournament play? I did. Um, when I turned pro uh, in 2008 um chubby got me some invites um after the open um it's ah. sort of the second half of that year and it would have probably been that same event the last one oh really and i remember it for a few reasons i played with rory and alistair forsyth the first couple of days nice and i made a 10 we started on the 10th we started on the 10th on Thursday, um, like par, par, I think it's like maybe 12 or 13, sort of the road is on the left-hand side. It's like Yeah, two. that's right. I think I hooked three onto the road. Oh. I think, yeah. Anyway, oh. I made a 10. And then 
um, played really good from there and got to 18 on Friday afternoon, needing a birdie to make the cut. Wow. Right, so battled well. Yeah, battled well. <laughs> and I remember hitting, hitting the fairway. And then I think I had a five iron. It's mad how you remember this. And it's 12 years I think ago. You were in Christy O'Donnell Jr.'s flat, uh, weren't you? With a five iron nowadays? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't remember it in that much detail, <laughs> Moxie, but I can remember the club <laughs> right, I hit. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I hit a like. great shot to like 12 feet on the back tier. Yeah. And that, I, well, it might have lipped out. I don't know. It might have been a filthy <laughs> lip out. Um, but I missed it and missed the cut by one. But I sort of thought, well, that's actually, you can hold your head high there a bit. I want a bad effort considering you made a 10 on one hole. Oh, man. Yeah. Obviously, there are good, good in your career, but plenty of highs as well. I mean, winning the BMW PGA Championship, how proud are you to have that on the CV? Yeah, that's like a bucket list tournament to win, I think. Um, certainly for the Europeans. Um, outside of majors and probably world golf championships for us it's the next one to win you know it's the it's in the top 10 of tournaments that you could choose to win in your career um yeah um pretty pretty cool to win that one i, I always went when i was a kid like moxie would have done maybe you did kit as well you know it's that one you go to isn't it um to watch whether it was the match play or the bmw um, but I never, th- I never thought I'd go. Uh, I needed five to win it on eighteen, as we know, it's a par five. And I never thought I'd go three wood, sand wedge, sand wedge, two putt <laughs> to win. No, like, yeah. yeah, sort of a bit. No of a pictures wet. on the scorecards. You got the trophy. That's all that matters. No, well, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I remember having um, it was a perfect yardage for a six iron. And um, my caddy at the time, we were like, well, I, I'm not a leaderboard watcher, but you can get a sense of what's going on and every player is different. So I knew I was there, thereabouts. And I was like, right, what's the, what's the situation? And he sort of, I said, a six iron, isn't it? And he's like, no, gave me the sandwich sort of thing. I was like, huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so sandwich, sandwich, a bit odd, isn't it? Up to a par five, sort of. They've changed the design a little bit now, which is good. but. Um, you know, you want to, you know, Moxie, you'd love to have a crack at that green, wouldn't you? You know, oh, you just. Mate, I, well, I wouldn't have hit Sandar. I know I wouldn't have hit Sandar. <laughs> yeah, you, you not might not t- have that trophy. <laughs> no, well, I probably wouldn't have, mate. And that's the truth. I mean, I would have just looked at my caddy and go, you're off your rocker, mate. I'm in six iron. You know, no doubt about it. You know, and I'd have probably gone straight at the flag, knowing me. I've go got on. to ask you about the Ryder Cup, of course. Such yeah. a massive achievement to be there. But looking back on it, are there bittersweet memories of that week in Hazeltine? Massively, yeah. Um, I had all these pictures in my head of like coming back with as part of the winning team. Um, and for me personally, I played really well that week when I got the chance to play. Like I wasn't expecting... As a rookie in America, you know you're not going to be playing Friday morning. That's, you know, uh, what is it? Is it four? Yes, four balls in America, Friday morning. Uh, is it? Yeah, four balls and they swept us. Yeah. No, it's no, it's foursomes. Foursomes in the morning, four balls in the afternoon in America. So I was thinking, well, I'm not going to play foursomes as a rookie. So that's Friday morning out. So I was like mentally ready for Friday afternoon. Um, and then I didn't play at all on Friday. And I felt um, out of the team, really. Didn't feel mm-hmm. part of the team. And Fit- Fitzy was in the same boat. Yeah. What turned it was in the afternoon, uh, the team fought back really well because we were 4-0 down in the morning. I think they got it back to level or something like that. Or... <laughs> Yeah, within one point going into Saturday and we had a really strong positive team meeting straight after play on the Friday evening. And Darren Clark, our captain, announced the teams for the next morning and me and Fitzy were involved. And the whole sort of team room sort of went up in raw like they're right and from Brilliant. that moment I totally switched, like, yeah, and you felt part of it. 
but then I wasn't ex- expecting to be playing foursomes. So I was like, right, okay, head on, right, let's take this all in. Um, I felt really comfortable with my partner, Justin Rose. I felt if I was going to play with someone, he'd be on my two or three that I'd want to play with. Played great. We won our match. And we were interviewed by, by, interviewed by Tim Barter on the 18th green, straight after we putted. We felt, me and Justin, I think that we were ready to go. Like this afternoon, come on, bring it on sort of thing. We're, we're having this this afternoon. And Tim told us, basically, the teams. And I wasn't in it. I was dropped. And Rosie was going out with Henrik, who obviously have got a formidable partnership. I totally get that. Yeah. But it's bizarre. I went from Friday in the day feeling not part of it to Friday night feeling a massive part of it through Saturday morning. Saturday lunchtime, not feeling part of it again almost. And I remember spending two or three hours just sat on a beanbag in the team room absolutely drained of energy and um, then went out and watched the last sort of six holes and then you've got to get yourself back up for the single Sunday where I played DJ and again I, we had a really good game and I lost on the last so yeah you, you sort of yeah. hit the nail on the head really I feel like given one or two more games I might have been able to help a little bit more the way I was playing but it's so hard. You've got to leave four players out, haven't you? What, what can you do? And he's got six rookies on his team. It's, it's a brutal scenario for a captain in America. And hindsight's easy, isn't it? But um, I mean, you, you've got, you've got, you know, in the past, you've had Poulter dropped, you've had Sergio dropped, you know, you know, yeah. this Ryder Cups. I mean, when do you see your next Ryder Cup? Sooner rather than later, obviously. Well, once I stop in it high right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. That's no yeah. good in foursomes. Um, <laughs> But to be fair to Darren, he wrote me a letter um, within a month of the Ryder Cup, handwritten letter, two pages, in round and about way, an apology for not playing me, but also a thanks for my attitude um, throughout the week. And And I spoke to Fitzy, Sully, who were in the same boat as me. We played exactly the same amount of games and neither of them had a letter. So I felt... I'm not going to lie. I wish I'd rather have a, yeah. rather have played than had a letter. But of course, it was a class course. touch from Darren. Um, and if anyone who comes around and <laughs> goes for a shit in our toilet, they'll see it in the bathroom. <laughs> is it up on the wall in <laughs> the bathroom? It's, it's one of the toilet oh, ones, isn't it? Yeah. Classic, classic, classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Oh, it's well, hopefully, we can, I was uh, hopefully we can get Darren Clark on. We can and early on, there was a lot of chat about actually how well you were playing. And also Sully as well, and your potential partnership with Rose and Sully's potential partnership with Rory. It seemed like yeah. all of the momentum was coming round to that. You guys were handling the situation really well. When you then, as you say, you're not expecting to play every session, but you sit out the whole of Friday. What is the level of communication like from Darren, from the vice captains at that stage? Are you being kept abreast of what's going on? Why you're seeing? Because if you know you're there, you're playing good golf. You know you've got a very good potential partnership with Rose, which it did prove to be when you got the opportunity, and then you're not given the chance to prove it. Are you being told why or what the plan is for the week or how and when things are changing? I think, to be fair to Darren, he, he had a plan. The whole... I don't like to talk about it because I don't like to give him the attention, but the whole Willits brother scenario threw a lot of that out the window. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dan was meant. Dan was playing lovely, and was meant to be out Friday with Westwood. Yeah. Um, Friday morning, uh, that changed. So Thomas Peters was sort of roped in. Turned out he took full advantage and had a great rider cut. Mm. Um, so Willett's head was all over the shop. Clearly. Yeah. Um, then the mo- Friday morning went four nil. Um, 4-0 down, but I was on the range Friday morning with Rafa, Fitzy, and who was the other one? Probably Dan. And um, you're allowed to go and play a few holes. So it's probably 10 o'clock, half past 10, we're in balls. So I think me, Fitz, and Rafa went and played the first two holes. And Paul Laurie was walking with us, and he basically was probably like, yeah, 11 o'clock, look, you're not playing this afternoon. And that's that point again where I went from mentally I am ready to go here yeah. to 
yeah, like how expecting to get the knob to then deflation. Yeah, so um, you are kept, you are kept in the loop, but it's it's quite last minute really because no one was probably expecting to be four 0 down. Um, yeah, and he, yeah, he went true. with the experience for the afternoon. Yeah. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure, Chris. It's been a pleasure as always, buddy. Thanks for joining us on the Filthy Lip Out. I know you're going to whack some balls now and groove in that, uh, well, not the groove in the block fade. No, we want, we, want, it, we so. want low lefts now. We want low lefts, mate. You ask, <laughs> mate just watch me, mate. That's all I got. Well, it's funny. Like I've been craving to be hitting a draw and like almost yeah. going up to Long Ashton playing and trying to hook it into the trees on the left. And... Um, my coach, um, Alan Thompson, he, 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 I've started with him in February this year and um, he coaches Tommy Fleetwood. And um, he said, he's been saying to me on the phone, he said, the shit on the left is no different to the shit on the right. But, <laughs> it's true, mate. It's true. <laughs> well, I, I fancy a few games with you at Cleveland because that'll sort you, uh, that'll get you in a low draw as well. Into yeah, the side exactly. of the fairway. So exactly. don't enjoy me, mate. I know if I can get Love your to, ass. Yeah. Love to. All right. All right, man. Well, it's lovely having you. Thanks, Chris. A bundle. Pleasure. From- Thanks, boys. Yeah, Cheers, Kit. See you soon. Be safe, mate. Cheers. See you on the links. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you go. How good was that? Chris Wood in the house. That was a nice surprise, wasn't it, Kit? Awesome stuff. I know you've uh, pulled a few local Somerset strings to get him on there, John. That's brilliant. But no, he won't like that. He's a Gloucester boy. <laughs> There's a rivalry there. Well, I mean, he drinks yeah, yeah, yeah. cider. That's Somerset. I mean, I'm Dorset. I get told Somerset all the time. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, but how good to hear him? How good to hear him talking so candidly and so honestly about the journey that really he's in the middle of at the moment, and how it's not all plain sailing. You know, this is a guy that's finished in the the top five at the Open Championship a couple of times, has won three times on the European Tour, including the flagship BMW PGA. He's played a Ryder Cup. And he's describing his struggles, as he said, yeah. relatable to 18 handicappers probably. And, and the turmoil and the effort that he's going through to, to get his game where it wants to be. I, it's just so refreshing to hear him, a, a golfer talk in that way, so honestly. Oh, it is, mate. But you can imagine, right? I mean, if I try to put myself in that scenario, I mean, I should be so lucky. I, you know, my dream is to play a Ryder Cup, always has been, you know. And I watch every, every team that gets picked for Europe, you know. I'm envious of them, you know, wish I was in their shoes. And I feel sorry for Chris because I'm sure like many, many other players before him as well in the teams and after will be ripping it and not get the pick. And you're itching to go, you're itching to prove your worth, you're itching to get that point on the board for Europe over US. You, you, you know, and I feel for him. I do. I mean, but, you know, when he did for his, when he did get his chance with Rosie, he took it, he got his point, and he nearly took out the world number one at the time, Dustin Johnson. So, yeah. I mean, that would have been hell of, a, hell of a two points, that would have been, and that would have probably stipulated everything that he was uh, talking about. I mean, it's funny hearing that he got that letter from Darren Clark as well a couple of weeks later. That's really interesting, because I've spoken to Matt yeah. Fitzpatrick and Andy Sullivan about, you know, these no. very similar things, and... And how they reflect on that. Uh, and they obviously didn't get those letters, as Chris said. And so Matt has a, a lot more negative memories, I would say, um, than perhaps Chris does. And, and Sully, you know, he's a happy-go-lucky guy anyway. But yeah. there was a lot of real I disappointment mean, when I spoke to Matt and Andy about the, how their Ryder Cup experience went. So to hear that that letter came for Chris afterwards and didn't, but Andy Sullivan and Matt Fitzpatrick, despite the three of them being essentially in the same boat and, and used in a very similar way through that Ryder Cup as rookies, is really interesting. So hopefully Darren gets to hear this and he doesn't mind coming on and uh, sharing it with us in the future. But uh, yeah, Darren's a, a fierce competitor with amazing Ryder Cup history, open champion, um, you know, I... Admiration for the you man. Great things as Ryder Cup captain through the week, aren't you? I mean, it's it's a, a, a mate, tough situation. Mate, it's, you're in the spotlight. You 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 know why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? He should have done this. Oh yeah, he did the right thing there. I mean, you can't please everyone. You've got to go with your gut feeling at the end of it. And also, you have amazing staff there. You got Paul Laurie, lovely chap, as we well know, and we've met him many a times via the Europro up at Newmarket and stuff. You know, he's. 
a top bloke and he's had to, you know, unfortunately say the, the words that no one wants to hear, you know, and he's gone over there on the behalf of uh, Darren and said it. And then you've got, you know, Patrick, you've got all the boys now, you know, he's captain, you've got all of them now. And it's a tough road. It's a tough road. And no one wants to hear that you're dropped. I mean, you're young, you're vibrant, you've got all the energy in the world. You believe in yourself. You want to take that scope. You want that point on the board. You want to follow in the likes of Polter's footsteps and Seve Ballesteros for getting important points where no one thinks you're going to get it. And uh, yeah, I feel for him. I do. But yeah, it's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, mate. So, um, but a lovely, lovely to have. And hopefully we'll have, uh, have a few more in the future to come. A few other rider covers could tell us this the dirt on some nice little stories. Absolutely. But, well, but, another nice little thing for Chris's CV. First guest appearance on Filthy Lip Out. No doubt that'll be right up there with the BMW PGA, the other wins. Yeah. Um, John, it's time for your second tour tale. The first one was an absolute cracker. If you haven't heard the first episode and you don't know how Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Marco Mira and Fred Couples played a little hand in John getting his PGA Tour card, please go back and listen. But John, for Tour Tales number two, we are what, a year and just a handful of days uh, or 16 years and a handful of days passed when you got into a playoff at the John Deere Classic. I saw it all on social media over the last few days, holding that putt for birdie on 18, the big fist pumps. What do you remember of that whole week now? Uh... Well, my memory's pretty blank, Kit, but, you know, uh, I had a great guy in a bag. Nick Lane lives down in Spain. Yeah, I thought that rhymed. Um, but, yeah, he's a good boy, and he was on my bag, and what a motivator. I mean, he's a fighter, um, you know, MMA fighter anyway, and kickboxer in his past, but he's a bloody good golfer as well to boot. And um, his motivation skills around the golf course was amazing. But it was really bizarre because my old sponsor, um, and this is when you get your break, isn't it? You know, you, I mean, we didn't have two pennies to rub together. And luckily for me, a couple of local people would put a couple of bob in their back pocket and say, uh, we'll pay for this event, John, and get you there and get you here. And then I, you know, I joined um, the Kendallshire for one year. And then, uh, you know, which is a local golf club to where I live. And, you know, fortunate for me, uh, there was someone that was a shareholder that lived down in Marbella and uh, got able to go down there and, it and I met this sponsor on the golf course called Alex uh, from Germany and he funded everything and that got me my my road you know to go up and do bigger and better things so I was able to play the bigger events anyway you know he actually turns up for the first ever time to the John Deere Classic and he's there and he's there until the last nine holes of the final day and then he's got to go and he's leaving me on the 10th as I rip driver straight down the middle and I'm ripping it, you know, it was just a matter of time until the putt started to drop. And uh, I've had to give him a hug, big wave goodbye. And, um, you know, see you later, alligator. And off he went. And, oh my God, what he missed was unbelievable. Um, you know, birdie, birdie, birdie 10, went along around. And then, you know, birdie 14, 15, 16. And, well, I've got to say, my, my, hanging on the lip moment on 17 will always stay with me because I can't believe it never dropped. Uh, <laughs> it was the slickest putt known a man left to right down the hill a little bit. I was high above the, uh, the green and uh, the pin was over on the right hand side, which is a devilish, devilish uh, kind of pin position. I've hit this putt and it's gone straight across the face of the hole at dead weight and quarter of the ball is still hanging over the hole on the low side and I'm still thinking it's going to drop. Obviously, it's not going to drop because it's low side. If it was outside, it would have gone in. But, um, and then obviously 18, holding that putt, which you've seen, you know, and that was um, strategy massively on that hole because it doesn't suit my shape off the tee at all. You know, that, that tee shot is a left to right. I'm a right to lefter. Um, so I, I've hit a really good shot, got it on the ferry. Then I've hit a nice low drilly, perfect sh style of shot for me. Bent it round with the camber of the green, the ferry with the water. I've just shaped it round, beautiful, lovely little low draw and scuttled it up to about 20, 25 feet just short of the flag. And yeah, I mean, I've been listening to Poulter having a chat with Tim Barter in, in the, uh, about the Ryder Cup, you know, the documentary they've done. And uh, I've got to say, I agree with Poulter massively. There's an aura that comes over to you, over you, then when you want to hold something. And, um, the blinkers, you know, the focus, the, the, 
you know, you don't hear anything, you don't see anything. All you do is see a line and you're having it. And that is actually what came over me. And it's happened a few times in my life. I class myself with a bit of a polter type. You know, I would rise to the occasion for the fans and I, I love team golf. I love it. And You're an emotional man, I, John. You thrive on that energy and that emotion. Oh, massively, mate. I, I, you know, and the thing is, the crowd was giving me it all. They were giving me so much. They were rooting for me. They were so behind me. They could see I was wearing my heart on my sleeve. And, you know, I, really and honestly, it was for them... It was for the fans. It was for the John Deere Classic. It was for Kit. It was for, sorry, it was for Nick. It was for myself. It was for my family. It was everything. And I knew they were watching. So I did it for them, you know. And then all of a sudden it was, yeah, you just knew it was going to, I knew it was going to go in. I, I could actually see my celebration before I'd even actually hit the putt. I actually was that vivid and that adamant I was going to hold it. Um, so I wasn't surprised when it went in. It was just a kind of, a carbon copy of what I was seeing already, my kind of celebration afterwards. But obviously went to a playoff, didn't happen in a playoff. The mighty man, Mark Hensby, beat me, made a great up and down to force the playoff on 18. Um, so yeah, unfortunately for me, didn't come out victorious, which would have been a game changer if that would have happened, obviously. But, you know, it just shows you when you get in the zone, what your possibilities are. And that was a John Deere for me. And just the buzz of, you know, being up there in a PJ Tour event. And, uh, you know, there's been some amazing winners at that event. And it would it have been lovely to have obviously added it, but it's not to be, you know, um, first the worst, second the best, third one with a hairy chest. That would be you, Kit. But, um, yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> I mean, the raw emotion, the outpouring on that 18th green when the birdie went in, how did you even begin to get yourself back together again and calm yourself down for the playoff? Well, I didn't really. I, the, the trouble was, I, I came off of that, off of that green, and Mike, you know, Nick, being a warrior uh, like himself, was like, right, come on, John, you deep breath, son. And you know, I mean, it's not easy when you you've hit a peak like you've just had, and all the adrenaline's just like gone zap straight out of you, and now you've got to try and reboot yourself because we've gone straight to the range then, because Ensby's got 18 to play. Then we see he's in a bunker, but Hank Keeney, the big hitting. Um, American came over and he sat down with me and I probably shouldn't have chatted to him as long as I did or sat down out of the way I should have just kept hitting balls stayed in the flow and, but you know I was super excited like a kid in a candy store for the first time and you know I just you know I was hearing all the echoes going on down there and then he makes a wonder bunker shot and you know forces the ball and goes on to win it but yeah I, I probably didn't handle my coming off the course, but I was new at it. This was unfamiliar territory to me, you know? So, you know, I was loving the attention, loving the feel of what the fans were giving me. You're all backing me up, giving me bats on the back, high fives, you know, signing every autograph. Probably did about, you know, 100 autographs before I even got to the range after I finished my range. So, you know, um, but, you know, you can't leave anyone out. That's me. Um, uh, you know, I know if I was a kid in their shoes, I'd, I'd be dying for an autograph. So, uh, yeah, you have to fill out all the... the what they wanted but mate, amazing moment so I'll never forget obviously and luckily for me you know Sky Sports and uh, the Europro Tour have been putting out there on their on their you know, Twitter and Instagram and really backing me up and yeah I, I'm just uh, over the moon that he'd been able to share it with all you guys again and uh, just reliving the moment How did you react to it in the immediate aftermath because obviously you've just lost in a PJ Tour playoff there, there must be disappointment but Overall, when you take a step back, what a monumental achievement from where you were 12 months, 18 months previous to be in a mm. playoff on the PGA Tour. What did you take away from that? Well, straight away, I took away that, well, I'm going to win. I'm going to win straight away. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to the next week. This is it. I'm, you know, there wasn't a tournament the next week anyway. Um, well, it was, sorry. It was the BC Open, I think it was. And I played fairly good there. And I nearly, I think I finished top 10, I think. Um, so, excuse me, I didn't quite get it. But I remember on the way to Lake Tahoe, and this was the game changer, really, for me. And this is where it all went downhill, you know. I think, you you know, your mindset is brilliant. You feel like you you, you found something. Something's clicked. And I am a field player, so it's going to flip inside and out. I'm no technical genius. Um, but I am a massive field player and, and ambitious and passionate. Um, you know, so you fluctuate. You're going to fluctuate if you like it or not in your in your game. But I just thought, you know, strike while the iron's hot. But 
you know, obviously I was got got on that plane to Lake Tahoe and uh, had a big seizure on the plane, and that was my kind of career over. You know, and I fought it ever since. Yeah, okay, I can hit certain shots here or there, um, but you know, the confidence that the um, all of a sudden I felt vulnerable. Uh, I never felt vulnerable before. Um, felt invincible, you know, and uh, yeah, I think that was a massive confidence knock, and yeah, that was the end of it for me. And uh, but. I'm doing this. I love it, mate. I love it. Um, living a dream, you know, talking about golf and uh, chatting to the likes of yourself and the mighty Chris Wood there. And hopefully we get a few more along the way. But yeah, that's my tour tale. Uh, quite a sad one at the end. But, you know, while the dreams lasted, that was the biggest dream of my life and loved every minute of it. And I hope to go back. I was down to do uh, the 50th anniversary, the John Deere, which now they postponed it until next year or cancelled it until next year. Um, so I'm hoping I get the nod from... Uh, Jason Wesley, our um, executive producer at Sky, and hopefully he sends me back out there again uh, to to fulfill the dream and turn up on their 50th anniversary and see some old faces and uh, see the golf course in Amazing Nick again. So maybe they might give me an invite and I can mic myself up and see if I can treat the boys to an 85 or something. (laughs) I'd love to see you back out there and uh, mark my words, I play a bit of golf with you and I've I've seen you hitting shots for the Euro Pro Tour. You wouldn't shoot 85. I'd I might even have a sneaky little each way bet on you if you got the chance yeah. to tee it up at the John Deere again. I think you'd be a worthy invite because, I mean, people love you. Hearing your story there, incredible stuff. Um, yeah, John, it it's been an absolute pleasure again. Thank you again yeah, to Chris Wood for coming on the second episode yeah. of Filthy Live I mean, what an honour to have a Ryder Cupper on on just our second yeah. episode. Great stuff. Uh, if you guys at home have enjoyed what you've listened to, Please review and subscribe wherever it is you're listening, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Anchor. Um, The more listens, the more reviews and the more subscriptions we get, the easier it is for other people to find and we can keep spreading the love. You can get in contact with us as well at filthylipout at hotmail.com. And John and I are all over Twitter as well. We've got filthylipout on Twitter at kitonthecourse and at jemorgan77. Please get in touch. Thank you for listening and we will see you again next time.